and cellos. I said to Brother Talbot, we're going to throw the orchestra. Let's get them to play a stanza. They all looked at me real big. What? Acts chapter number 9 in our Bibles tonight. Acts chapter number 9. Brother Brown is going to give you a handout tonight. How many of you have ever been to a function, a holiday function, Christmas party, work party, and there's that, you know, that one guy or that one gal, and you leave there and you think, what were they thinking? Or what were they doing? That's, thank you. We're going to try to help you not be that guy. We're going to try to help you not be that guy today. You're not that guy. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, gifts are good and they're needed. But, but the greater impact that we have in our life is really the impact of people. Uh, when you think about the gifts that you received over the years, uh, probably only a few that you might say was that gift. Maybe you got a Bible. I still am preaching from the Bible that I received uh, on Christmas. Uh, I got a minute. I should, I should. Some of you haven't heard this. My dad might be watching and, you know, I might get a few brownie points. December 25th, 1985 is when I received this Bible from my mom and dad. My mom wrote this. She's in heaven now. To my son, Dan, God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. I trust you will read it diligently and search for God's wonderful truths. For in this book, you will find treasures that will last forever. You'll learn to know God in a real and wonderful way. For God says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You are special from the heart of your mother. I love you, mom. Four and a half years later, I finally made my dad sit down. Dad, you got to sign this. He signed it on May 15, 1989. By prayer and faith, serve God, pressing on, knowing in your heart that peace rules the day when Christ rules the heart. Love, Dad. He gave a verse, Colossians 3:14. My mom's verse was Isaiah 49, 15, and 16. And uh, you say, you've had it all these years. Yeah, I had to get it rebound maybe twice. Uh, most Bibles come glued together unless you spend a little bit of money. And uh, you know how you ever have sections of it just come out? That's because it's glued together. If you want a Bible to last, you have to get them to stitch it. And uh, so I mailed this away. I'm kind of defeating my purpose chasing this rabbit, but it's okay. I, I mailed this away and had them to rebind it. And I think I had them to rebind it. I think I did it twice. So I'm still preaching from it, and, and it's still working. And uh, they'll put your name on it if you want or whatever. You have a whole bunch of different choices of leather. In any event, it's the rare gift like this one um, that you keep and you hold on to. Um, but most of the time, what really impacts us is the people that God brings into our lives. And uh, the message title tonight is to be a blessing this Christmas, all right? <laughs> You know, you get in your car after a function, you might say something to your, to your wife. That guy, what was he thinking? Do you ever wonder if someone got in their car and thought about you and thought, that guy or gal, what were they thinking, right? As I thought about tonight, I thought about the Apostle Paul. We see him as a giant of the faith. We see him as a man that impacted many, as a man that planted churches, as a man that 
um, God used in a great way to pen much of the scripture. And sometimes I think we fail to realize that behind the Apostle Paul were a number of people that God used to help him along. Study here, I have the word blessing here as an acrostic. And I want to look at eight individuals that impacted the Apostle Paul in one way or another. Very simple lesson really tonight. But I want to encourage you before we get started, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord this Christmas season, who could I be a blessing to? I'm going to give you eight ways that you can be a blessing, and maybe the Lord might put on your heart more than one individual. I think sometimes to get our mind off of ourselves, we have to be intentional about helping someone else. You know, there's joy in giving, isn't there? Uh, there's, I think there's more joy in giving than there is in getting. Uh, my two comrades uh, today that went soul winning with me, you know, we, we took them to Wawa. Wawa is the happening place for teens, and these guys are going to be teens soon. And uh, so we took them to Wawa, and they each picked out a bag of candy. Boy, were they excited. They were happy. They picked out a bag of candy for their sister. And I thought, wow, that is pretty spiritual. I mean, that is amazing. And then they told me the truth. Well, Joshua did. He said, yes, I'm, I, w- I want you to buy this for her so that I don't have to share mine. <laughs> I love it. What I love about young people is they're just transparent. The rest of us would have been real, yes, we can't forget my sister, I'm so spiritual. And we wouldn't have said anything, right? I love transparency. But you know, it is a blessing to be a blessing. And there's people undoubtedly that God's going to put along your path this Christmas season. Maybe a cousin, maybe an aunt or an uncle, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend, maybe a co-worker. And I want to give you eight ways that you can be a blessing as we just study individuals that impacted the life of the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter number 9 is when Paul is converted. And uh, we do remember that his name was Saul before God changed it to Paul. He was very zealous, thinking he was serving God by persecuting the church, by um, hindering and killing Christians. When he got saved, I mean, everybody knew him. <laughs> All those that were serving the real God avoided him. When he got saved, I'm thankful that his zealousness, his energy, his passion went into serving the Lord. But the Bible tells us in verse number 25, Of Acts 9, the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Rightfully so. I mean, here's this guy that's killing Christians. Here are the disciples that are serving God. Here they are intimidated by this individual. And, and I know I would have been one of them thinking he's just playing the game. He's just pretending. Because if he pretends, he can get on the inner circle and he can kill us. But he wasn't pretending. There was an individual that God used 
to help the Apostle Paul. To help him to be received by the disciples. Verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. And he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Number one, believe in him or her. Believe in them. Barnabas said to the disciples, Listen, fellas, I know and understand why you might be afraid of this guy named Saul. He persecuted the church. He's got a reputation. But he's legit. I know he's legit. As a matter of fact, it's interesting, as soon as he, he got saved, verse 20 of Acts 9, same chapter, speaking of Paul, Saul, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue. I mean, there was a change in his life that was dramatic. Verse 28, 27, Barnabas says, Hey, he'd seen the Lord in the way. He had spoken to him. He preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. He spake boldly in the name of Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. They went about to slay him. And, uh, and uh, the scriptures go on. Somebody out there needs you to see past their weaknesses, to see past their limitations, to see past the things that, might, that might, they, they might think hinders them and believe in them. How many of you can think of somebody, I just read of two people, my mom and dad, that believed that God could use me and communicated that to me. And quite frankly, one of the main reasons I'm in the ministry today is because of parents that thought, hey, God, hey, they knew me in and out and up and down. They knew all my problems and then some. But they saw beyond my issues and they saw what God could do. And there's people, maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a relative. If we'll say, you know what? God has a plan for your life. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to be a blessing. I think all of us, quite frankly, are encouraged when somebody believes in us. We're hard on ourselves. This week I was thinking about this and I thought about this. And this will encourage you. When you don't feel like anybody believes in you, Romans 8 said, If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you know God is cheering for you? You know God's in heaven and he, He's at the right hand of the Father and he, he prays for us. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But somehow He looks down from heaven. He says, there's, there's Dr. Brown down there. Would you help him out? The Jesus that died on the cross ever liveth to make intercession for us. And boy, if we could just get a hold of how important believing God for other people's people, and maybe people's, <laughs> what, where, where would Paul be without Barnabas saying, hold on, fellas, <laughs> he's legit. Believe in him or her. Number two, 
Acts chapter number 18. Acts chapter, in Acts chapter number 18, we're going to read of Aquila and Priscilla. The L is lighten the load. Lighten the load for him or her. Aquila and Priscilla were of the same craft as the Apostle Paul. Verse number 3 of Acts 18, because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. I'm not going to take the time to look at the other scriptures. They housed Paul in Acts chapter 18. They housed him. In Romans chapter 16, they housed the church at Rome. Come meet here at my house. When you're planning a church, you've got to have a place to meet. And Aquila and Priscilla said, hey, that's just a little something that we could do. Hey, Paul, we're all tent makers. You know what? We can house you. You can stay here with us. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Aquila and Priscilla, verse 19, housed the church at Ephesus. Here's another church you're going to start. Hey, you can meet at our place. And we might not think, hey, that's much of a sacrifice. Obviously, all the ladies would say, that is a big sacrifice. Hey, we're meeting on Wednesday night at your house for church, all of us. And the ladies start thinking, uh-oh, who's going to dust and clean and ba-da-da-da-da, all the details that us men never think about. Lighten somebody's load. You see, if, if we're going to be a blessing to somebody, we got to think, what is there? Is there something that I could do to help relieve this little burden from whoever it might be? It might be as simple as carrying some. It might be as simple as giving them a ride. It might be as simple as, as whatever. Ask the Lord, Lord, whose load can I be used of you to lighten? Number three, First Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter number one. 2 Timothy chapter number one. We meet a fellow by the name of Onesiphorus. 2 Timothy, if I can find it in my Bible. Chapter number one. Now, this book was written, obviously, toward the end of the Apostle Paul's life. Um, he's in Rome. And the Bible says this in verse number 16. The Lord give mercy into the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Interesting. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But when he was in Rome... He sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. He off refreshed me. Letter E is encourage. He was an encouragement to Paul. So much so that when he got to Rome, he sought him out, and he sought him out diligently until he found him, that he could spend time with him, and that he could be with him. Do you know how far a phone call can make? How many of you, maybe this morning, tonight, you thought, I wonder where so-and-so is? And then folks come to me and say, Pastor, you know where so-and-so is? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And I always try to say this. I put it right back. You ought to call them. I want to try to call them myself, but you ought to call them. You see, people sometimes expect the pastor to call or not. I have a, I have a fine line here. It's a teeter-totter, right? Because if someone misses one week, if I call too much, that's not good. 
But if I don't call enough, well, that's not good either. <laughs> so there's no expectations from you to pick up a phone and call somebody. It goes a long way. Sending someone a card, telling somebody, hey, uh, I'm praying for you. That goes a long way. Sending them a text. How many of you need prayer? We all need prayer. My grandmother, my mom's mom, prayed for me, I feel like, all the time. She's in heaven now. Whenever I saw her, she'd say, I'm praying for you. Whenever I talked to her on the phone, I'd call her periodically. She'd say, hey, I'm praying for you. That meant a whole lot. There was a time years and years ago, a story comes to mind. It's not in my notes. I have the same thing kind of you do. In any event, a story comes to mind years ago. How many of you remember Henry Barfield? I was in the office, and I was waiting on an appointment where two individuals were coming to see me that I really wasn't looking forward to. You know, sometimes you know you have a counseling appointment, you know you have a meeting, and I'm like, oh, this is one of those ones that I'm just dreading. Five minutes before the meeting, I missed a phone call. It might still be on my phone. I might. I should go back and look. I kept it for a while. (laughs) It was a voicemail from Henry Barfield. He said this, hey, Pastor, this is Henry. Call, I just want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. And that was it. I don't know how I missed the call, but I got the voicemail about five minutes before I walked into one of the most toughest situations that I've ever had to deal with. That's God. And God wants to use every one of us. Years ago, a couple, two, three years ago, I was um, sitting in my uh, prayer, my recliner there where, you know, you read your Bible and pray. And um, the Lord put somebody on my heart, a pastor friend in Michigan that I hadn't seen in a while, and I, or hadn't talked to in a while, and I just sent him a text. Hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. He texted me back, and he said, thanks, I really appreciate it. I'm going to the hospital today. I have some treatment, or they were doing something with him medically. I didn't know that, but God did. And I was a little bit kind of sobered. Wow. You, you used me. Wow, that's kind of cool. And God wants to use every one of us to be an encouragement to other people. But you see, I've got to look past me. I've got to look at others. I've got to be intentional about it. Number four, if I keep telling stories, we're never going to get through. He off-refreshed the apostle. That's a great passage. Who do you off-refresh? Hopefully you don't drain. Anybody know people that are drainers? Don't be a drainer. All right? Number, number, number S, <laughs> number four, 2 Timothy 4.11. 2 Timothy 4.11. Stand, this is a stand by him or her. In 2 Timothy 4.11, we're, we're, we're making reference here to Luke. Uh, notwithstanding, uh, no, I'm in the wrong verse, that's 17. 11, oh, here we go. So the Apostle Paul is in a, uh, prison type situation. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. That's all we're reading. Only Luke is with me. He told Timothy in, in 2 Timothy, Timothy uh, 1 and verse 8. He says this to Timothy. He says, verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. We looked at Onesiphorus. Obviously, he goes and seeks him out. Now, here's a guy that is in prison for preaching the gospel. Do I visit him or not? In our day, well, we go visit him, no big deal. 
in this day to visit somebody and identify with somebody that's preaching the gospel could mean your life, could mean, oh, move over, we're going to put you in there too. And that's why he said, hey, Luke stood by me in one of the most difficult times that I had to face. You know, we all have challenging situations in our life. We have situations where we need somebody to say, hey, I got your back. No matter what happens, I'm with you. I'm going to support you. Boy, that, that is encouraging. Why do we go out um, soul winning two by two? Some of it is just that. Hey, we're in this together. And we're going to knock on a door. And by God's grace, we're going to do what we can to lead this person to Christ. Our first visit today, <laughs> a new move. And I knew, I like to, when I go out, I like to know, is this individual a yes, a no, or a need more time? Door number one, no. <laughs> I mean, we barely even, I haven't had one of those in a long time. I mean, a long time. But there was a door Dave had, hey, need a little more time. We didn't lead anybody to Christ. It was a couple no's and a couple we need more time. Um, but the reality is we have somebody that stands by us, somebody that's with us through thick and through thin. I'll tell you another story. I don't know why these stories are coming to mind. When I was a child, I hope my dad's listening. When I was a child, because he's going to feel bad. When I was a child, I had to learn to ride a bike like the rest of you. And so I've got the family out there cheering me. and I'm on, I remember like it was just like yesterday. I don't know how old I was. But I, they took the training wheels off, and you know they're pushing you along. And it was time for me to fly solo. We had an alley, and in the alley were garages, you know. And so you come in, you park in your garage. There were garages in the alley. And, and here's the family, and they let me go, and they're cheering me on. Yeah, go, until I lose control, and I smash into a garage, and the garage door goes whoop, and opens up, and there I am, and there's nobody there. They all, they all, they all got embarrassed, and they went in the little alley kind of and hid. I'm like, where were you when I needed you? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not what we're talking about here. We need people to stand with us. I think I've been traumatized for my whole life. Story comes to mind. Where did that come from? We need to stand by one another. By the way, we're going to need to stand by one another more and more. As so much the more as you see the day approaching. There's a lot of people out there that don't like you. The devil doesn't like us. And, uh, and we're going to need each other more and more. All right, I need to move along here. I keep telling too many stories. Go to Colossians 4 and verse number 7. Colossians 4 and verse 7. This fellow's name, imagine having the name, I guess we would call the guy Ty for short, right? Imagine having the name Tychicus, Tychicus, there you go. I wonder what that name means. I should have looked that up, but I didn't. Colossians 4 and verse number 7, if I can find it. Here we go. Uh, and the S is serve, serve. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a, look at what he says, beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. Wow. Tychicus was used of God to serve and to serve with the Apostle Paul. 
The greatest of all, I hate to tell you this, isn't the one that has all the money and the cars and the servants. The greatest of all, according to the Word of God, is the servant. You see, we think in our society, oh, you got a maid and this one cleans the house and this one whatever. And people that have money have all of these people serving them. They're the greatest. The greatest are the people that are serving, not the people that are served. We think about that. Tychicus. There's a name for you, Tim. When you, when you grow up in 10, 20 years and get married, in 25 years when you get married, you can name your kid Tychicus. Colossians 4. We're in Colossians 4 and verse 12. I, why did I leave Colossians? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Here's another guy. Epaphras, Epaphras. I was trying to put some subliminals in there, Stephanie. So he, Epaphras, verse 12, and the word is intercede, intercede. There's many people that you can pray for. I alluded to this already. Epaphras, one who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervent for you in prayers, that you may stand complete, perfect and complete. In all the will of God. I hope you have a prayer list. I hope you have people's names on that prayer list. I hope you have people you pray for specifically. We've talked about this already. I, I hope, uh, Brother Brown, at our table, I don't know what the other tables do, but I love he's got this little notebook, and he writes down all the requests, and he'll come in next week, and he'll say, how's your toe there, Scott? The one your wife stepped on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> amen. You take specific requests for individuals, and it's not just we're playing, praying specifically. Intercede, praying. You know, intercession is really when we pray for other people. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for ourselves, but I think that really there's a lot of individuals, when you start thinking about it, you want to pray. You ever pray for an hour? Oh, an hour. That's a, you get a prayer list long enough, and you'll pray more than an hour. I, I remember when I was first learning how to pray. And I'm not there myself either. But I say, Lord, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. And I'd get down on my knees and I'd pray and I'd pray. Man, I've been down. I bet I've been down here for an hour. I look at the clock. Three minutes? <laughs> Till you get a prayer list. And you get specific. And you really start asking God to work. By the way, you want to see God work in people's lives. It's easy for us to get frustrated with people that, oh, I'll be there. If I had a dollar for everyone told me, oh, I'm going to be there Sunday at church, I'd be rich. But the reality is, what do we got to do? We got to pray. God's the only one that can do the work. He's the only one that convince people. Letter N, we're going to Philippians chapter number 2. These last two are super convicting. I mean super convicting. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 25 and the word is nourish, nourish. Had to think of something for an N. And really the reality is just care for them. If you can meet a need in their life. Look at what the Bible says here about Epaphroditus. There's a name for you too. Verse 25 of Philippians chapter number 2. And the Bible says this. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, 
and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. He met my needs. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because he had heard he had be the, because ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. This guy almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore more carefully. When you see him, you may rejoice and may be less sorrow. And he goes on. But the reality, oh, look at verse 30. For the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. He was probably dangerously sick or sick in, for his life because of overwork for the cause of Christ. That's what it says. For the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. I mean, this guy did what he could to help meet the needs of people. And Paul said he ministered to my wants. Now, you probably think, right here, what if I had more money? If I had, how many agree, if you had a million dollars, boy, you'd give a good bit of money to other people. You know what I'm saying? I just need more money, you know. The reality is, the little we have, God wants to use that to bless other people. And yeah, we all wish we had more to bless other people. By the way, you want more to bless other people, ask God to give you more to bless other people. You want to give somebody a hundred bucks? Say, Lord, you give me a hundred bucks, I'll give the whole hundred bucks to so-and-so. Now, you have to make sure you, you commit that, because when God gives you the 100 bucks, you better give it. <laughs> or we'll be in the Ananias and Sapphira situation, right? Epaphroditus didn't regard his own life. And then lastly, uh, Timothy. Give selflessly. Timothy gave selflessly. Look at what he says in verse 20. I have, verse 19 is where we get his name. I have trusted the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you. I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. All seek their own, not the things of the Christ Jesus. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Eight ways. I know there's some, a little bit of overlap here, but eight ways that we can be a blessing to other people. The hymn is not in our hymn book. I don't know how many of you people know it or don't know how many of us know it or not. I should double check. Somebody can double check. I'm sure it's not in here. But, but it's such a make me a channel of blessing. I wonder what that one is. Make me a, not the same one. I didn't think it was. Flip your paper over and look at this hymn. I'm losing my voice here probably from singing too much or something. Maybe preaching a little. Must be Brother Talbot's song leading. Gets me really singing. Otherwise, I'd sing this for you. How many of you know this song? That's a great song. I'll read it. Because otherwise, Brill would have to play it by memory, and she might not be able to do that, and that would be embarrassing. And Chrissy probably could maybe play it by memory, but she might not be. That'd be embarrassing. Then they'd be mad at me for life. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Look at stanza two. Tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. 
Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. Give as t'was given to you in your need. Love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Unto your mission be true. And then the chorus, make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. May this be our heart cry this Christmas season. Lord, I don't want Christmas to be about me. I want to be used of you, God, to be a blessing to someone else. Will you tell God that tonight? Let's bow for prayer. Lord,